Well, uh, tremendous thanks to the musicians this morning and to you all who sang so um, enthusiastically of our Lord. Before we get started, let's pray. Gracious Father, we do ask that you would uh, speak to us now, that you would quiet our thoughts, that we might follow your thoughts, that your word might come to us with power and uh, make transformations within us, Lord, so that we'll be ready for whatever you bring whatever the next moments, the next hours, the next days might hold for us. Lord, you know it all. And nothing that will happen, nothing that has happened, will take you by surprise. You have it all under control. Lord, help us to rest in your arms and to appreciate all that you have given to us and all the grace that has come to us because of Jesus, your beloved Son. Father, it is in His name that we pray and we look to You in thanksgiving. Amen. Well, there have been numerous reminders. If you've had the radio or the television on this morning or if you've even been paying attention here this morning, um... You know, 2017 is running out. And uh, I, I wrote a phrase here, and I'm wondering how many people actually know what it means. When I, if I say, the hourglass is almost empty. I don't think I've ever seen an hourglass, except in a picture. Um, but, you know, there are only 12 and a half hours or so left to accomplish all the things that you said last December 31st that you were going to see done in 2017. But if you're like uh, the rest of us, you broke all those New Year's resolutions before the end of January. And what we knew was going to take our best effort over a period of months to accomplish largely remains undone. And even if this were not a Sunday, and even if this were not supposed to be a day of rest, those things simply could not be completed in the remaining twelve and a half hours. Today we look back and we look forward. When we look back at the year that was, do we grimace? For many of us, it's been a hard year. We faced grief, betrayal perhaps, or personal failure. The closure of Harmony House last night was like removing life support from a beloved friend. It was hard to say goodbye.
And some of us have marked the year with success. We can celebrate a growing depth of our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Perhaps we've been able to introduce some folk to him for the first time and have watched them take their first steps of faithfulness to their newfound Lord. In our employment, perhaps we've seen professional accomplishments or growth of income. We've celebrated with our extended families as grandchildren and perhaps great-grandchildren have been added to the circle. But what were the targets? What plans did you have in place to see that you achieved those chosen goals? The Apostle Paul could have rested on his laurels. He had accomplished a great deal and had a great deal to his credit. Um, As an up-and-coming rabbi, he had all the credentials. He was a true Hebrew of the stock of Benjamin, a Pharisee, a graduate of the school of Gamaliel, By any reasonable standard, he was well on the way to success. He was extremely zealous for the faith of his fathers to the point where he had members of this upstart heresy called the way imprisoned and executed. Today we would conclude that he was one of the most dangerous kinds of extremists. One that truly believed that what he was doing was right and proper. But then the Lord Jesus stopped him in his tracks and quite literally he saw the light. I'm sure it took Saul a while to sort out the implications of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But his academic training stood him in good stead and eventually he was able to put the pieces together and to conclude that Jesus is the Lord, that he truly is God that his death on the cross and his resurrection was indeed part of God's eternal plan for the salvation of humanity. Luke records that it was a matter of days or perhaps a very few weeks before Saul was testing his new understanding of Jesus in the synagogues in Damascus. But it's only about after about 15 years that we see him writing to churches in Galatia and, and to other churches. 15 years of ministry and the development of his understanding of the gospel. By the time Saul, now known as Paul, wrote his letter to Philippi, he had been walking with the Lord Jesus for more than 25 years. If for our purposes we were to suppose that Philippians had been written on the eve of, say, 62 AD, how did he look back on his previous year? What were his goals and resolutions for the coming year? Well, let's take a look. Philippians chapter 3, beginning halfway through verse 4. Uh, If you're using the Brown Pew Bible, it's on page 1828. Philippians 3 and verse 4. 
If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Um, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, coming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, their glory and their shame. They're with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So how did Paul look at this year? Well, he took stock. He held an honest appraisal of his gifts, his strengths, and his weaknesses. As he himself had put it um, to the, in his letter to the church at Rome, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And what was the result of his self-appraisal? Well, he found himself with liabilities that hindered his growth in Christ-likeness. The very things that had helped him to formulate his appreciation for the Lord Jesus and all that Christ had accomplished, his genealogy, his family, his training, his Phariseeism, all of that he found was now a burden. True, it had been a benefit, But now at this point in his life he found it was more hindrance than help in his pursuit of Christ-likeness. So he wrote, um, beginning at verse 7, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss 
for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and can count them as rubbish. And then he looked forward and he said, I count all that as rubbish that I may gain Christ, be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. And then verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. The goal, the ultimate goal, is perfection in Christ Jesus. Anything less is unacceptable. That was Paul's target. That was his goal. But note that he didn't measure himself by anyone else. He had repeatedly called into question the motives and methods and behaviors of others uh, all through his ministry. Um, For example, he had challenged Peter. He had challenged the Corinthian believers who had tried to put him or Apollos on a pedestal. He had challenged the status of some so-called super-apostles Uh, and those who preached Christ from envy and rivalry, who thought to afflict him in his imprisonment. And yet he knew that he himself did not measure up to the standard of Jesus Christ either. Look again. Look again at the standard by which he measured himself. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, having a righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The only useful standard is the perfection of the Lord Jesus anything or anyone else used as a standard will result in failure where and when it really matters. Paul not only recognized that the Lord had a grand purpose for his life, he realized that he had not yet arrived or completed that purpose. He knew that he was not yet what he should be. He was aware of his faults in the areas where he still needed to grow. And he he says, look, I I know I am not already perfect. 
Well, that word perfect means complete. He recognized that he wasn't finished yet and that God had not yet finished remaking him. Some people get discouraged because they feel they're not progressing very rapidly. But the Christian life is a life of growth and maturation. Much like organic life itself. Growth takes time. As diligently as Paul worked at his faith, he knew he had still not arrived. So don't allow yourself to become discouraged. Just keep moving forward. Growth takes time. Chuck Swindle said this way, God is seeking progress, not perfection. So having taken stock, having looked forward and surveyed the far horizon, Paul then took action. Verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul tells us that if we want to be focused on our growth, then we have to forget what lies behind. But he's clearly not telling us to literally not remember anything. Uh, Certainly we should remember who we were before Christ found us. We should remember the times we have seen God's faithfulness, faithfulness demonstrated. We need to remember the mistakes of the past so that we can avoid them in the future. Jesus himself commanded that we should remember him in the breaking of bread. Paul is also not telling us that we don't have to fulfill the responsibilities resulting from past decisions. If we've wronged someone, we should try to make it right. If we have stolen from someone, we should make restitution. If we have a problem with someone, we should seek to be reconciled. When Paul spoke of forgetting what lies behind, he was referring to our very human tendency to dwell in the past. To remember past hurts, past sins, past painful experiences, and to resolve never to allow ourselves to be placed in such situations again. But one person put it this way. We need to resolve not to allow ourselves to be a victim of our past. But we need to allow ourselves to be a product of the past. Tremendous difference between the two. We need to learn the lessons God wants to teach us from the past and then to grow past those events. 
Another human failing is to rest in the past. We'll replay the past victories and be content to remember instead of continuing to push ahead. That happens to a lot of people. But Paul was determined he would not rest on his past accomplishments. But always look forward to what still needed to be done. There are some who are always talking about the great times of faith in the past. They talk about how intimate their relationship with the Lord Jesus was. But it's all past tense. In this sense, we have to forget the past and focus on the present with an eye to the future. Paul was focused on pursuing the Lord Jesus. The word he used he said, when he said he presses on is the same word he used in, in, uh, earlier in the chapter when he talked about his persecution of the early Christians. Um, he used the same determination, the same perseverance, the same intensity and focus in his pursuit of Christ-likeness as he had earlier before the Lord had interrupted him in his persecution of the earlier saints. It's the same word that's used to describe the Olympic athlete who is straining forward with everything they have toward the tape at the end of the race. Focus, determination, intensity. That's how Paul sought to grow into a better reflection of the Lord Jesus. But the athlete doesn't get to go to the games just because they want to go. They have to qualify. They'll train for years in preparation for an event that might take only a few minutes to complete. But during those long hours, months, and years of training and preparation, they keep the goal in mind. And I think it's without exception that they envision what it will be like to stand on the podium before thousands of spectators with a gold medal around their neck while the national anthem is played. With a focus and determination similar to Paul's, our brother Chester served the Lord, I think, for more than 70 years, always seeking to become more like him. For the vast majority of those 70 years or more, Marion was beside him. And as a result of this continuous effort on this couple, how many thousands of people have been impacted for the kingdom of God? Billy Graham has turned 99, and this year is a year of celebration of his life and faithfulness. And who can count the thousands he has introduced to the Lord over the period of his ministry? The point is that the Christian life is not a sprint to the finish line. It's a lifelong marathon. And as we enter the gates of glory, who will not want to hear the Father's booming voice of welcome? Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
And what about having your life reviewed without any sense of regret or shame? Or being surrounded by those whose lives you have, re- have been, whose lives have been redeemed, at least partly, because of your faithful witness. Or even having someone say at your funeral service that you were consistent and faithful to the Lord Jesus. Or what about the joy of that first moment? when you see the Lord Jesus face to face. Paul sets his determination to please and to emulate the Lord Jesus as an example for us. Just like training for the Olympics takes effort, determination and focus and discipline, so does our growth in Christ. It won't happen accidentally. It won't happen just by itself. We need to think about a spiritual gymnasium. And that gymnasium will include a variety of exercises. Here's a few that I suggested. Making a daily time for God in our schedule. For most of us, this won't happen unless we schedule it. Finding and making time to thoughtfully read the Bible. I suggest a a discipline that Marion passed on to me. She told me that she read through the Bible every year. And every year in a different translation. daily and continual focus on the Lord Jesus even in the midst of busyness and deadline pressures tough to do something to learn how about planning for times of personal and corporate prayer praying praying with our families regularly daily if it's at all possible The Monday evening uh, prayer uh, gathering is a good discipline. The monthly day of fasting and prayer for Youth for Christ is another. But plan for it. Make room for it. Make sure it happens. Making worship and service a priority in our lives. Again, things won't happen unless they're scheduled. Completing a regular and honest spiritual evaluation of our lives. It might take another person to help us with that. Turning away from some worldly pursuits. Some things might simply have to take second place. However, much, however enjoyable they are. But they might have to take second place to allow God to have priority. We may need to push ourselves to study and read for growth. What good books do you already have on your shelf that you have yet to open? And daring to reach beyond what is comfortable 
or safe. I mean, Bruce and Sharon, they definitely reaching beyond what's comfortable. Uh, every time they go, it's a new adventure. And never quite sure what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. What about the rest of us? Is there a new, perhaps scary, ministry to which you feel the Lord calling you? Well, maybe it's time. And as an assembly, what are our goals and plans? I rejoice to to see that this seminar is being planned to explore ways that we can reach out into the community more effectively. And I hope that it's going to be to a sold-out crowd. But more than that, even before that event, what new ministries is the Lord placing before us? And how can we more effectively um, uh, engage the ministries we already have? As individuals, we're all in different spaces. There's, you know, traditionally and uh, statistically, many will start to exercise or begin a fat loss program and then drop out when it becomes tough. Many start reading a book but never finish it. Some people are fascinated by faith for a while and, and then grow bored and move on to something else that will excite them for a while. Are you like that? Your faith superficial perhaps? Are you a temporary follower or are you firmly committed to the Lord Jesus? The person who gives up misses out on some of the benefit that comes from hard work. The one who leaves a marriage, except perhaps in the case of abuse or adultery, misses out on the possibility of a quality relationship. The one who gives up on exercise and dietary improvement sacrifices good health. Those who give up on education miss out on things they could have learned. Those who give up the race for the heavenly prize miss out on the joy of walking with Christ Jesus. So what are you focused on for 2018? You focused on stuff, paying the bills, gaining power, having temporary peaks of enjoyment. Don't you want more from life than that? Set your sights higher. Press on for the prize. Seek to know the Lord Jesus better and more fully. Jesus tells us that when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else that concerns us will take care of itself. Some of us can see the finish line off in the distance. may only be 10 or 20 years away. So for those in that category, this is not the time to coast. Now is the time to kick, to finish strong. Others of us are just getting started. Don't give up because it's tough. Keep working on it. But be patient with yourself. Growth takes time. 
and others of us are in the heat of the race. Well, we can't let down now. We've got to keep going, keep pushing. Sure, it's exhausting at times. But focus on the goal and strive to finish well. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have on us. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Call our musicians forward for our concluding concluding piece. Father, we do stand here amazed at your mercies and all your grace. We are standing here because of them, and we thank you for that. We look forward to what you have for us in the future, and we pray that, as Ted has reminded us, that we need to press on towards that goal for the prize of that upward calling in following the one who descended for us. And so, Father, we do pray that you would receive all the glory forevermore. To your name be glory forever. Amen. Amen.